Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, maybe you want to splurge on a dash cam this season, and I wouldn't blame you. You deserve it. You work hard. And why wouldn't you want to make sure you've got two eyes extra on the road? And I mean two because from a Navman perspective, they put one at the front, and they can also sell you one to go at the back. Nothing beats having someone watch your back. And honestly, the MyView Pro 4K DC is the creme of the crop. It's the, it's the best of the best when it comes to what Navman do put forward in terms of dash cams. As, I, as by the name, a 4K sensor at the front, a 2K sensor in the rear, you will be able to see if someone is picking their nose in crystal clear detail. You'll know exactly what will come out. It's filthy, but with these cameras, you do get what I think is some of the best vision that you can get from a dash cam. And I always encourage people, don't just take my word for it. Please go and look at independent videos that you find people publishing their dash cam videos online. And look, if you go to Dash Cams Australia, you probably find that the majority of the crystal clear ones or the good ones actually are filmed on Navman dash cams. And you can always tell because they've got the watermark on the corner, just like the other brands do as well. So do your research. Now, when I say you're looking at the best of the best from Navman, we're not talking about thousands of dollars here either. For the dual camera, with the 4K sensors, we're talking about $529 as the recommended retail price. Obviously, we're in sales season, whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and obviously as we get closer to Christmas, you have even more sales coming up. Do pay attention, do shop around, and do always price compete when you go into a store. If you see it cheaper online, make sure you take it to a JB Hi-Fi and get a good deal. The MyView Pro 4K DC is the creme of the creme. It is the, the top of the pops, as they say, but... The whole range of dash cam is available online. Have a look at the entire range. Find one that suits your price budget, but always have someone else looking out for you and watching your back, and you can do that with Navman. Let's go on with the show. Rasembrasma, Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert, Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are listening to this show. Maybe you're listening to it on delay because your Optus device is still trying to figure out what a phone call really is. Yes, you're listening to Australia's number one technology podcast and you've got me for the next 30 odd minutes or so, however long it takes to get through some tech news. But obviously we are going to dig into, I don't know what you want to call it, the story of the week, the drama of the week, the absolute disaster of the week. And we're talking about Optus in that sense. And I can't wait to fill you in on my experience. And I'm looking forward to hearing more experiences. I talk to more people and how their week was um, dealing with this debacle. But to do so, we're pouring one out for Optus and it's a Bolter XPA can. Uh, it is my favorite beer. There is no beer that I will gravitate to first. If I see Bolter on tap in a pub, you instantly get instant cred because it's just the the most amazing beer in my opinion uh, you're looking at a four pack about 19 bucks depending on where you do shop um it always scares me when you see the price of a case of bolter because it's like 60 or 70 dollars and that just feels like a lot of money to spend on beer but you know it is good stuff so let's get on with the show and i'm going to talk about a couple of things first it was amazing that last week after we recorded um i think it was the next morning i woke up and elon musk decides to announce his own ai tool now, this is a guy who had been very public, even that week, even that week, being very public about our caution with artificial intelligence, how we need to 
be very conscious of what we're creating and how of a much of a danger it is to human civilization and jobs and every and ways of thinking and so on. And then we know why. He was holding back the gates. He was trying to slow his competitors down and I guess not telling everyone that he actually had his own competitor in the works. And it's called Grok. G-R-O-K. Uh, apparently, it's modeled after The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Maybe it's a film. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a TV show. You tell me. I don't know what Grok is. But apparently, if you know what Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is, maybe it's a National Geographic book for traveling. I don't know. But that's what it's been named from. Now, here's the thing. When they talk about teaching artificial intelligence, you've got a number of ways you can do it. You can feed it information. You can have it learn. And what they've done in this instance is they're actually also integrating what you tweet. Now, I don't know about your experiences on Twitter, but it's pretty garbage. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of negativity that gets spilled into Twitter. Not a lot of praise, not a lot of happiness. Um, you don't usually hear people giving out flowers on Twitter as in giving people props on Twitter. Usually it's uh, a lot of hate. And if you're feeding an AI uh, tool or brain with that kind of data, I can't imagine this AI is going to be very nice. Um, now, in saying that, you can ask it the same sort of questions. You can ask a chat GPT or a, or a Google Bard. Um, it's all very, very similar. It uses a large language model, as you would expect. Now, what they are saying, however, with, with Grok is you can have a clean personality or a more vulgar personality that you talk to. Uh, but they're also saying that there is some additional benefits in the context that it can provide, the way that it does learn, the insights that it can generate. Uh, the problem here is it's not free. Um, I say the problem because of accessibility. Elon is almost making it part of a Twitter premium subscription or X uh, premium subscription that if you have that, then you'll have access to this. And I don't think a lot of people are taking that up. So at this stage, I haven't tested it. Uh, I believe it's only available in the United States for the time being. So to my American listeners, if you've got it, if you're using it, let me know what you think of it. Uh, but otherwise, I don't have a lot more to say of it until it sort of develops a larger audience. And that could be a, a tricky thing for it to do. And I would also suggest that if it's only available to people in the US and it is only available to people with a certain level of subscription, then there's a good chance that it's still a work in progress and still doing a bit of learning at the same time. Now, how about this for interesting? Well, maybe it's not that interesting, but it's worth mentioning. Samsung announced a new phone. Uh, it's called the A05S. Very memorable. Definitely something you're never going to see on a billboard. But there's a new smartphone available with three cameras on the back, a camera on the front. It's a Samsung phone, so it's got a 6.7-inch display um, with a full HD resolution of 10, 1080 by 2400, which is not bad. Uh, it's got a 90 hertz refresh rate, so the screen is kind of decent. On the back, you've got a 50 megapixel main camera. We've spoken about a phone just the other day that was just like this, and it wasn't a Samsung, but this is going to be Samsung's answer to it. Now, you've also got a macro sensor, you've got a depth sensor, you've got a 13 megapixel camera on the front. This is not a bad phone, right? Now, as, as it starts, 64 gigs of storage or 128 gigs of storage, but it's also got expandable, meaning you can put a micro SD card into it. 5,000 milliamp hour battery, which I'm very happy to hear about. Now, it doesn't sound like it's got wireless charging. It doesn't sound like it's got 5G, but it is a $249 phone. Now, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about a similar brand that had a 5G version of this. No, it wasn't a Samsung. But you have to ask yourself, 
how brand loyal do you need to be at this price point? And I'd say not very brand loyal at all. At $249, it's great if you want to get your foot in the door on Samsung. But if you're really shopping around at $250, brands like Motorola, Nokia, Oppo, they are all ones that you should be considering where you could get a very comparable device, potentially with 5G, so it's got more longevity, potentially with a better screen or processor. But I will say that Samsung's cameras are usually very good. So that 50 megapixel camera, even though there may be a 50 megapixel camera on other branded phones, the processing on a Samsung may just turn out a little bit better. So something you probably want to compare if you're in the market for a phone and you don't want to break the bank, especially if it's for a teenager or somebody who is elderly. It's keeping with Samsung for 30 seconds, maybe more than 30 seconds, but they're obviously getting into the AI game as well. Just as Elon Musk did, why wouldn't anybody else? So Samsung is, but they're doing some interesting stuff. They're saying that AI will be coming to devices, mobile devices, very, very soon. And I would expect that next year's Samsung Galaxy S24 will have AI built in on device. Now, Samsung is saying that no one will do it better than them. They're saying that no one will do it better than Samsung can and will. Now, one of the examples that they gave was on-device language translation. Now, let's picture it this way. You ring up your local Chinese takeaway. They answer the phone, mushy mushy. I don't think that's what they actually say. I think that's Japanese. But they answer the phone in a language that you do not understand. On your screen, you will see a live translation from whatever language they are speaking back to English. You will be able to speak back to them in English and they would be able to hear it in their local language because, hey, it's already detected the language that's being spoken to you and as a result, it will translate automatically back to them in the language that they just used. If they were to change back to English, obviously that translation would, would stop. But that is a really interesting feature. Now, the, the other example of that isn't so much calling a Chinese takeaway because generally they'll take your order in English, no problem. But where it does become interesting is if you've got family or relatives that do speak a second language and you don't. Now, that to me opens up a whole world of possibilities. My, uh, my grandmother in Malta, she doesn't speak amazing English. It's not too bad. I've had conversations, but it would be so much easier for her if I was to talk to her in Maltese. Now, I don't know if Samsung is going to support that language at that launch or ever, but I could just imagine how a conversation would change um, with someone who doesn't speak English as a first language, where you suddenly make them feel comfortable and a conversation could last longer or could go into other areas that are hard to touch on if you don't necessarily connect on the same uh, on the same band in that way so on device language translation i think could open up a different world of possibilities obviously there's no demonstration from samsung on this yet this is probably what we're going to see early next year i'm going to be very curious to know what it sounds like because the big skill that ai can play in this isn't to translate back in a generic voice. It's to translate back in your own voice and make the person on the other end feel like they are talking to you and that you can speak that language. And that's where things become realistic and it changes the way the conversation goes. Because if it sounds like Siri or if it sounds like a computer-generated voice, then it takes away from the warmth of a conversation. And that's going to be something we have to pay attention to, but we are speculating. Now... It's been 10 minutes. How about we talk about Optus? This one's going to require a drink. Now, things that I do love on my Google Pixel 8 Pro is when I put it on the charger to go to bed at night, it puts my phone into do not disturb mode. Uh, the only calls that it really allows through is my wife, but she's usually there. Uh, she, we, we share a bedroom. 
we're married. And I don't get bothered. I don't get bothered by notifications. I don't get bothered by phone calls. Now, on one particular morning this week, I am happy about that. And I'm also not happy about that because from about 4 a.m. till the time I woke up, I was missing phone calls, text messages, more phone calls, and more text messages. Not because I am an Optus customer, but because I was receiving so many phone calls from TV stations, radio stations, and others to ask me questions about the Optus outage. I woke up, as I typically do, just slowly, grabbed my phone as I always have and see what the world is up to and some interesting names appearing on my screen. I'm thinking, whoa, why are they calling me? Whoa, why is this person calling me? I start looking at text messages and it clicks very quickly. And the Optus outage, which started at around 3 a.m. that morning, wasn't just something that was going to blow over very quickly. If you have an outage, it happens. There are outages. We've seen it numerous occasions throughout this year, last year, where the voice service can go down or a data service can go down. It happens. Sometimes it's nationwide. Sometimes it's in one state. Um, Other telcos have had this problem before. But when your outage is your mobile network and your landline network and your NBN services, you're upsetting a lot of people. You're impacting a lot of people. So people woke up on Wednesday morning, potentially with a phone that could not make or receive phone calls, could not receive text messages and didn't work on the data network. It would work if you were connected to Wi-Fi. You could be able to send emails and so on, but you wouldn't actually even be able to make calls over Wi-Fi because there was no landing point on the Optus network to pick up that call, even if it was through Wi-Fi. You couldn't go to your computer and log on. You couldn't do work. Uh, If you had a landline and maybe that landline monitored your home alarm, you wouldn't have a working system for back-to-base. If your landline was connected to a fall detection system because you were elderly, that would no longer work. Optus later in the day also admitted that emergency calling, triple zero, from your landline service would not work either. To call this a disaster, almost, if you, if you think about the impact natural disasters have when they happen, this was the equivalent of that from a tech perspective. It was what someone should have stood up and said, this is a disaster. And an actual official disaster where you can then equip it with people to come in and fix it. Optus have lost the capability to fix things, not just their reputation, but when it takes you almost an entire day to bring services back after an outage at 3 a.m. in the morning, you have lost your capability to serve your customers. And what was interesting for me was this. When I woke up and I had these missed calls, I responded to them all with a text message. And it basically said, this is terrible. Um, This is probably a, a technical fault. It is not likely to be a result of the hack from last year. However, I wouldn't rule it out. But I also said to them all, but I'm also unavailable. Um, it, was my, it was my son's kindergarten orientation. Now, that happens once. And an Optus outage, I don't know, maybe that will happen again. Uh, but there was no way I was going to miss that. So as a result, I turned down some of the biggest TV network opportunities radio opportunities and so on, but I didn't feel bad about that. What I felt bad about was every customer and 10 million of them who were impacted by this cluster. 
And I tweeted out a very short message about it, but my fundamental hope, and I genuinely hoped this, was that Optus would respond better than they did through their data breach of last year. The data breach of last year resulted in a cone of silence from a media perspective. They were not talking to us. They were not keeping us up to date. Uh, Their responses were short and uh, not sweet. Now, the data breach was a potential risk for its customers and even previous customers. This was an immediate risk, an immediate problem for its current customer base. Now, if you have to pick whether your data is breached or whether you go without your phone for a day, I can promise you that 10 million of those customers would have said, I don't care if someone knows my date of birth. I want my phone to work. And that was that's Optus's one job, is keeping your phone working. If their Optus streaming service went down, okay, that's not your core competency. But if your Optus living network, the network that you hold the number two ownership of in the country, if it goes down, you better act fast and you better talk. You better talk. So here's what happened. Uh, I emailed the Optus media team in one of, the, one of my moments of the day and I said, guys, I haven't heard peep. Now, I don't know if other people did, but I didn't hear peep. I could go to their Optus website because I had an internet connection. I could go to the Optus website and they had a small tab at the top of the uh, banner on their webpage where you could click and get updates. And there was nothing there. It was just an acknowledgement that there's a problem. When the email updates did start to come through, it might have been three dot points at a time to say, we acknowledge that this is a tough time and we appreciate your patience. We are working to resolve it. I mean, guys, that is not helpful to anybody. There's no timeline given. There's nothing, nothing that we can be relying on or having any faith upon that Optus has a clue what they were actually going to do about this problem. Their CEO, who I have tried to not defend, but during that data breach, I felt for the Optus staff. I even felt for the CEO. This was something that was potentially slightly outside of her immediate control. This wasn't. And after the learnings of that data breach, the CEO of Optus should have driven in the car, left the Macquarie Park office, and she should have gone straight to the city. Straight to the city for a couple of reasons. One, to set up a little hub for her and her team, but also to be within walking distance of the Channel 7, Channel 10, and Channel 9 offices where she could immediately sit on the couch, stand in front of a camera, appear, and relay what she knew when she knew it. There were 10 million people, half of the country, who couldn't make a call, who couldn't operate their businesses, who couldn't do so many things that day, that to have silence, even if she knew nothing, to hide was the worst thing you could possibly do. So here's what customers decided to do. At lunchtime, we saw cues of people lining up at Vodafone and Telstra stores. We saw queues of people. We also saw queues of people at Optus stores, people who were just outraged. And that was completely expected and understandable. At the same time, it wasn't just Optus, it wasn't just Vodafone and Telstra that were reaping the benefits. All the MVNOs, the smaller players, like Boost Mobile, who is a who uses the Telstra network, were also taking advantage of this as well. And they were getting an increase in customers. You could go to a service station and pick up a $2 SIM and move your number across immediately. What I found most interesting, and I genuinely found this interesting, I would love to understand how this works, is that the porting system was still working. So while Optus had an outage, 
you were still able to move your mobile number from Optus to another carrier that day. Even though your service was inoperable, there was no issues in moving that service across, which suggests to me that parts of their network and their system was still operating in some capacity because if it could release a phone number um, and validate your account and things like that, that all those details were correct before it releases the number to your new carrier, something was working at Optus. And that was interesting to me because, hey, if you're Optus, why wouldn't you shut that down and stop your customers from being able to port across? Maybe, maybe that's also, maybe you can go to jail for that, I don't know. But the... Inaction from Optus this time is not forgivable. Last time I tried to give them some grace. I didn't call for the CEO to resign, but now it's the time. Now it is absolutely the time. When you've got Gladys Berejiklian, and I said this last time, when you've got Gladys Berejiklian who was used to addressing the media and all of New South Wales at 11 a.m. every day through COVID to say whatever the heck she could say and answer whatever question people threw at her. And boy, did they throw questions at her. They threw mud. If she was able to do that, she could have walked in the park on this outage. And again, not to necessarily make this issue sound like it was nothing, but to give customers some reassurance that the company still cared. The company was in some way trying to help. Now, Kelly, who's the CEO of Optus, um, she's had some great results in growing the Optus business, no doubt. But her media capabilities, her, her ability to be interviewed, and we saw some interviews take place, some very rare interviews did take place, um, they were unemotional. They were without, um, without tone or voice, with nothing, just very flat, monotone responses where maybe she felt defeated. Maybe she had no energy left to really have a strong interview but no optus customer would have seen her interviews or heard her interviews and felt comfort so if you decided to move away from optus that day power to you today optus have released a little bit more information to say that it was a core networking problem who would have thought they've obviously fixed it they're they're immediately defending their network and saying that they use world-class technology and so on. Now, when you've had an outage for as long as they did, which was effectively half the day, um, what kind of compensation can you possibly give someone? What can you possibly do that will make up for that kind of scenario? Optus have given you an answer, and I don't know if you've already read this or seen this, but I'll cover it for you today. And it's kind of bizarre, to be honest, because if you were a business and you lost a lot of money, there's nothing that Optus is ready to do for you. If you were just a typical person and their phone didn't work for half the day, what's the deal? So here's, here's what Optus is going to do to say, sorry, mate. Uh, from Monday, the 13th of November, eligible postpaid customers, both small businesses and consumers, will be able to access 200 gigs of extra data. And customers have until the end of the year to activate it. Eligible prepaid customers will be able to access unlimited data on weekends until the end of the year. That's it. That's it. Now, I've said this before. Data plans are generous already. I don't think the majority of Australians exceed their data limits. So tell me that I can have an extra 200 gig. Who cares? Who cares? Cares. What we needed was phone calls. What I would have expected, and I genuinely am disappointed this isn't the case, I would have expected the month of November to be free. I would expect, as an Optus customer, that I'm not paying my bill that month. 
and maybe you should just give me a credit for that month at a bare minimum. Now, would that cost Optus a lot of money? Yep, it would, and it should. My, if, if I was an Optus customer today, I'd walk. I'd walk very quickly. I'd walk quickly to Telstra or Vodafone or even one of the MVNOs, and I'd move on. Because if you don't do that, they'll never learn. If you didn't walk after their data breach, which was a terrible scenario, if you didn't walk after that and you remained loyal, and this is how you're being rewarded for your loyalty with just more data, um, they don't care about you. They just don't care about you. Now, what's the real fix here? Because it's not going to be the last time that we see an outage like this. It may happen to Vodafone. It may happen to Telstra. In fact, they both have had their own outages, not for this long, but they've had outages like this as well before. Now, the government has said that they're going to launch an investigation into this. They want to get involved. My opinion is simple. Yes, you've got three networks in the country. My idea is very simple. If the Optus network goes down and it is completely unavailable like it was, yes, on Wednesday, then all telcos should be able to use another telco. Now, parts of the Telstra network, a good part of the Telstra network has been government funded. Uh, to build more towers and more areas to reach more people, especially in regional parts of Australia. So it's not like the government has never been involved with building telco networks. And what I would love to see is for the government to say, right, if you operate in this country, you must guarantee redundancy. And I mean redundancy that if your network goes down, you don't go down. You start leveraging the Telstra network. Your customers can immediately roam to Vodafone or Telstra in fact, it, should be, it shouldn't even matter. It should be both. Now, what happens here is interesting because then it forces them all to come to a table and say, oh, well, I guess if we need to use your network, how much will that cost? And I'm going to guess it's a lot of money. I'm going to guess that if Telstra had to absorb 10 million customers that morning, their network may have struggled significantly. So how much would it have cost Optus to make use of that? Maybe if it was only just access to the 3G or the 4G spectrum. Or maybe that was to have a limited data speed on their network as part of a roaming deal. But if you make it expensive that it hurts, then you won't have the CEO appearing on TV just saying, we are sorry, we appreciate their patience. You'll have her on there saying, I have resigned this morning because I just cost Optus multi-millions of dollars in roaming charges that my company has now had to pay to Telstra or Vodafone. That's how you fix it. Because what it does is it keeps Australians connected as they're entitled to be when they're a paying customer. It takes the ownership of the problem out of the customer's hands. Because when you disconnected 10 million customers on Wednesday, you made them all have to fend for themselves. If your business operated on the Optus network, you had to fend for yourself. You had to find your own solution. But when you are a worthy customer, someone who's just needing their service and their service is what fails, why is that your problem to resolve? the government can force them to move immediately any customers that are impacted to a roaming network and to roam onto one of the others in the country. That's how you fix it. Now, this could happen in a smaller outage. This could happen in all sorts of different scenarios where a tower goes down or other situations could occur. Well, while that's being fixed, we will leverage another network and Optus or whoever it is is having the outage, you can foot the bill. That's what I think would really wake people up because that's true redundancy. And the first telco to come out and announce that they're going to build redundancy in like that, I think they'll do pretty well. It was a mess. 
it was an absolute mess and I'm sorry to anybody who was impacted. I, 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 did, I did some radio that afternoon after getting back from orientation and, uh, you know, hearing callers come in and, and tell their story of what they've missed, what, how they've been impacted. There was a story of a lady whose mother was dying and she was trying to make her final, literally her final phone call to her daughter and couldn't get through. By the time she could get through, it was too late. She was, she was dead. Like that's, that, you can't bring that back. You can't fix that. If you had a baby that day and you wanted to ring your mum and tell them that they're now a, grand, a grandmother, uh, you couldn't if you were an Optus customer or if they were an Optus customer. Like there are certain things that happen every day that is magical moments or that are important moments. And when networks fail and when services fail, you can't bring that back. Now, very quickly, I mentioned uh, a few telcos today. And one thing that I would recommend to people is to start looking at not just the big brands, but look at the smaller brands. And I say that because when I look at, say, the Boost Mobile website, I'm doing that right now, a 12-month plan, as in a prepaid plan, so you pay for 12 months up front. And sometimes that might sound scary. Pay for 12 months up front. Remember, these guys use the full Telstra network, including 5G. So you're going to go for 12 months. You want 260 gigs for the entire year with unlimited calls and text. It's $300, less than a dollar a day, and you're on the Telstra network using Boost. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're paying more than that if you're on any Optus plan right now. These are things that people need to start shopping around for. You need to start changing networks. You need next month's quarterly report or whatever it is that Kelly needs to sit down for in front of her Singtel um, board, and she needs to see the drop in customers. The drop-in revenue won't appear unless the, the drop-in customers is there. And the only way that you can either be rewarded or punished for something that happens in the business is by showing customer growth or lack of. And that's exactly what people need to start doing. So if you want to send an, an, a message to Optus, move carriers. Have an amazing week. Look after yourselves and stay connected. Bye-bye.